Welcome to Behind the Sass. Also, welcome to March. Today is March 1st. And this week, building CRM for partnerships or don't skip the ice machine. Now, before I launch into the details of the program, we have to acknowledge a couple of big pieces of news that came out. One is that Partner Hacker is merging with Reveal, which is interesting language. And they're, they're also launching Nearbound and taking this new approach to uh, to marketing inbound, outbound, nearbound, which is all about partnership and ecosystem collaboration. But what's also interesting is they use the word merger, but stress that everything's going to stay the same. Um, so companies staying the same. Jared and Isaac took roles, I think, over at Reveal, giving Reveal a foothold, honestly, right in the content side of the game, um, where Crossbeam has uh, a lot of presence as well. And then um, also news from Crossbeam is they announced a large partnership with Pavilion. You know, accelerating learning around ecosystem-led growth. So a lot of big stuff is happening. Um, I think also we're going to see more of this kind of thing this year. I, I really do feel like, like almost like, hey, called it. It's going to be a year of combinations. It's going to be a 12 to 18 to 36-month period of these kind of acquisitions and mergers and partnerships moving and, and creating these larger organizations built around partner and ecosystem. I, I think it's going to start happening in tech. These are communities in tech joining an audience in tech, if you will. Um, yeah, big news coming out of that. So we have to acknowledge those things. I'm excited to see where those things go. Um, you know, partly in part because I do also write for Partner Hacker. This podcast will be linked into my newsletter on LinkedIn, but also, um, you know, linked into the article that is copied out and duplicated over there at Partner Hacker under the header of the Partner Experience Weekly. So, great. It's exciting stuff. Um, we have to acknowledge that. And then I want to get into the thing. Um, can I have my own announcement to make today, too? And I'm excited about that. And um, it's not really so much an announcement as it is a proclamation. That's CRMs are the worst for partnerships. I did some digging over the past weekend. And I'm going to do some more. I want to work on a full analysis and cost analysis around, you know, partnership engagement and partnership standing, uh, setting up a partnership piece inside of our some core CRMs. But I went and checked like the, the big four, I would call them. There's a lot of others, to be totally fair. But when you get out of the ability to customize and, and have a platform, you lose what you need. Salesforce, HubSpot, Dynamics, and even Zoho all fail to include any out-of-the-box functionality for partnerships. I've talked about this before, and I'll continue to talk about it. CRMs are not built for partners. They might get there, but they don't need to right now because that's not their core business, ecosystem management. I think we'll see more stuff come that way. I've already seen um, at least one solution that I'm a, really excited about personally. I'll have more information about that um, hopefully in the coming weeks around Salesforce and making that work. But it means that any company that's looking for native functionality in the CRM, you're going to have to upgrade your licensing. You're going to have to go into the professional or enterprise tiers to get access to the custom object creation that you need to build partnership rhythms natively into the CRM. This is an expense of maybe thousands of dollars. And then you still have to build it yourself. Or do you? You can work with an outside firm. You could work with people like me, independents. You could look for other solutions. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, baiting here with a little bit of news as I continue to uncover some new new opportunities uh, in the market. Again, I'll talk about that. But 
the, the big piece here is you have to buy it, then you have to build it. And that's the secondary challenge behind pricing because the need is urgent. That creates pressure to deliver something yesterday. This is not unique to partnerships. This is a common in operations. If we work in operations, people show up and they need that report yesterday. They need this new field here. They come and tell us the solution they want, um, but they don't ask us, the people in ops, in the architecture side, hey, what would be the best way to solve for the problem? Here's my actual problem. Can we please get this sorted? So today, I'm going to talk a little bit about the ice machine. You see, this past weekend, I went to a local burger joint with my wife. And on the article, you'll see I snapped a picture. I've got this picture of a stepladder next to a soda machine. It's right in front of the soda machine, actually. And there's no one else around. Uh, it fortunately, got nobody else in the photo. It's the lunch rush. There's lots of people around. But there's a big ladder in front of the soda machine. So customers can't get a drink. And, you're, and if you don't work in restaurants, you don't know what's happening. So let me explain. When you see a ladder next to a drink machine, it means somebody's filling it with ice. I grew up working in restaurants. I learned a lot about business by working in restaurants. I learned front of house and back of house. I saw pecking orders and hierarchies, right? The social order of um, experience and tenure. It's where I learned about customer satisfaction, upsells, and how to do things with speed and efficacy. This is a world where every second matters, and the worst job I ever had in that place was cleaning and refilling the ice machine. It's never convenient. It's a shared job. Everyone has to do it, and it's irritating, and there's a few reasons why. One is that you need multiple buckets. In this case, I saw this kid dump five five-gallon buckets of ice in this machine. He had to go from the front of the restaurant all the way to the back of the restaurant, past the registers, past the line cooks, past the prep cooks, into the back where the ice machine sits to fill his bucket up, carry it all the way to the front, climb up a three-step a three step, step ladder, haul it over his head, and dump it into a machine where he can barely see over the lip of the machine into where he's dumping. They lost a line cook in the little of lunch. Ice can spill over. The risk here, if you work in insurance, I spent a few years working around insurance today. This is huge liability for slip, trip, and fall. It drives me nuts because ultimately, too, every time I see this happening, I know with 100% certainty there's a solution. Ice machines can absolutely be stopped on top of, installed on top of the machine and keep the ice flowing. So why don't they do it? Now, in this case, and in a lot of cases, there's a couple of reasons. One reason you won't is they'll say, well, there's not enough space above the machine. This had a low ceiling in this one. I could see somebody arguing that, but this is a drop-in ceiling that probably could have been modified to accommodate an ice machine, but it would have been expensive. So now the cost of just getting a freezer in the back and having an employee, right? We're going to hire somebody. We're going to expand headcount to manage this, have them do it as a part of their work. It's easier. It's cheaper. We'll just do that. It could have also been legacy and established before this kind of ice machine setup was possible, in which case... You know, they have a legacy system and they haven't updated their system because eh, what we have works just fine. You know, we've got people that can do this specifically. Once again, they're just avoiding it because the, the investment to fix the thing long term, it's going to slow them down. It's going to take resources and there's not going to be a necessarily a revenue impact right now. Stop me if this sounds familiar. So what do you do? What's the connection? Partner architecture how you build and structure your data 
is the ice machine of partner programs, if you will. Um, and if you won't, maybe think about it as the black edge border pieces of a puzzle that you're trying to fill with your program and your tech stack over the next few years. As you improve all of those things, your architecture produces the limits of what you can do. Now, this week, if you go to the article, I mean, I'm not going to have time today. Unfortunately, today is just like a rant. It's highlighting the problem. It's highlighting that you need architecture. Um, I'll run through a quick, quick list of the things that you need to think about, but I'll, I'm going to skip down to the questions you need to ask and think about your strategy here. So if you're not building a partner architecture and you're doing very responsive build work, like, oh, we need a way to track a program, drop a program field on the account. Okay, let's keep moving forward. You're creating technical debt for yourself because eventually that won't work for some other solution, some other integration, or even for your own program. It won't work for reporting or it's too many fields on the account. All sorts of things could get in the way. So things that you need to think about include partner accounts and page layouts, partner contact management, recruitment effort, program management, program creation, right? Do we have a place to record a program and then do we know who's going to be in that program? Partner agreements, ongoing, ongoing attribution and influence, partner renewals, lead distribution, inbound and outbound referrals, deal reg, opportunity visibility, co-selling models, getting partner quotes and approvals into the system, customer renewals with partner support, Partner support itself, product licensing assigned to partners, product licensing for customers owned by partners, marketplace directory listings, certifications, credentialing uh, at individual and account levels, partner reporting, partner dashboards, any partner related workflows automation. None of this exists in the CRM. That was a really boring 60 seconds for you. I apologize. There's questions you can ask though. That's your list. Okay. Go to the article, go to, go to LinkedIn and find me, go to partner hacker, find me. Pull that list of things that you may need and start to ask these questions because what you really want to do is build out a vision for what you want to see at a higher level and then work towards your daily functions. Get your ideal state. And if you can mix your methodology, like what's the strategy for partner program development and method, here's how we want to manage. Here's what's important for planning and execution. You're going to get a better result. And then you take all of this visioning to your technical team, whether it's IT, RevOps, SalesOps, whoever owns the CRM in your org. And you lean on their technical guidance to deliver the solution. Don't get caught up in check boxes or drop down fields for yourself. Think about your outcomes and what you want. So here's some questions. What do we want our program to look like in two to five years? That's your vision. Uh, is this element necessary for our current programmatic strategy? That's prioritization. What do I want to track about this element? Reporting outcomes. Clearly, I'm in ops. Come on now. Um, how does this element contribute to our success? Strategy. Who is managing this data element? Ownership, who's going to keep it in compliance and keep it clean? Who needs access to this data? That goes to visibility, internal and external customers and partners, internal colleagues and partnership teams. How do I get any of this reflected in the CRM? That's change management and resources. You got to know who's going to help you deliver this because if you're early enough stage or even a mid stage, you may not have the operational support that you need. So as a wrap up at 1121, guys, this is getting so tough to do in 10 minutes when I try to get these articles in. CRMs are the worst for partnerships. They can be expensive. They all need customization and none of them solve for partnerships out of the box. My hope every week is that I'm putting something out there that is useful for somebody in these phases that is trying to put this together and doesn't think about the technical side, doesn't think about the architecture side. And the reason I care about any of this is because I care about the partner experience for your team, your partners, and your customers. And good foundation 
right? That's the house that we're all going to walk into and see. That's your partnership uh, mansion. And people show up at the front gate in the driveway. And if your foundations are poor, it's not going to be a good experience. And architecture is the foundation. It's the piece that is so critically important for everything that you do, but it's often overlooked. And so if I can leave you with anything, one piece of advice, whether it's owning a restaurant or working in your partnership program, do me a favor and please don't skip the ice machine. Have a great week. If you are looking for an ice machine for your Salesforce implementation, reach out at LinkedIn or ping me at Aaron at partnerofpartner.com. Let me know. I have some ideas.